God is so good. I, man, I, I really want to just take a second and just honor our leaders, those that serve in our house, our intercessors, my wife, our worship team. We, can we just take a moment and just say thank you, God, for his people that he has anointed? Come on, our Sozo team, all of our community leaders. God is so good. Uh, we have CR on Friday nights. How many have come Friday nights for CR? Colette and, and her team, the leadership, uh, Brenda, and man, we're just so blessed with authentic and anointed people with integrity and character. And thank God for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I want to honor our worship pastor and our team. Um, I, I just, it's so important that we recognize what God has given us because sometimes because of familiarity, we get really, uh, um, we it, actually discontent begins to to spring up in our hearts because we get so familiar with people, and sometimes we lose value for who they really are instead of esteeming them higher. Because what happens when we honor and when we honor with our words? Our words are they literally they're not just vibrations and frequencies. They literally contain substance, and it's either positive or negative. It's either death or life. Proverbs eighteen. This is Bible. And, and so when we speak words of grace, the Bible said it, it words of honor, um, words that lift up, words that build up, they're like imparting grace, imparting honor. And so when I speak words of grace to my wife, I'm literally adding glory to her. I'm, it, the word glory and honor in the Old Testament are, are uh, synonymous. So the word honor is kabod in many scriptures in the Old Testament means the weight of God's glory. So when I'm speaking the words of God to somebody, or we honor with our lips, we're literally adding more glory to them. And I just want to just, just for a moment, when, when somebody's anointed for something, it's who they are in Christ manifesting. And everyone, like when, when Chris is leading worship, when the worship leaders are singing out and the team's doing their thing, God's presence fills the room. And what happens? Hearts bow. And sometimes we miss an encounter with God because we have discontent in our hearts for individuals and, and that we're robbing ourselves and we're actually doing an injustice as the body of Christ. We must learn honor. How many said amen to that? I'll give you another example. Like my wife, she's a woman and some people don't like women preachers and teachers. Well, too bad. The Bible likes them and God likes them. And it's some people like, oh, you believe in women should keep silent in church. And they take that verse totally out of context because that was actually Paul, 1 Corinthians 14, quoting the Corinthian church letter to them previous to that. In the original Greek transcripts, there's a little, I think it's called a tev. It's a little mark. And he was literally quoting what their letter was. He was not declaring it as the word of God because the next verse says, or did the word of God come to you? Women keep silent in church. We just take right before that. Paul says, woman, if you prophesy, cover your head. He was dealing with the cultural thing because there was these witches that were coming in and he wanted to make sure they could distinguish uh, who was, was not a part of that thing. So it would be a contradiction for Paul to say women prophesy and then say women keep silent in church. But let me give you this let me give you this example. My wife is a woman preacher and teacher, and she's anointed. And I honor her, and I honor her in this house, and you need to too. Pastor Chris is an anointed worship leader and pastor, and you need to honor him, and I honor him. Amen. 
See, when we honor, we're literally bowing and coming under the grace that God has put on somebody's life. And we begin to draw off of it and we're honoring it. See, dishonor could also mean disgrace, which is you're, cut, you're dissing yourself from grace. So if I dishonor someone, Jesus said this, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. If I dishonor someone, I'm cutting myself off from the grace that God has put upon them. No wonder the enemy, the cunning schemes of the enemy, tries to get us to dishonor people in our lives because he knows we need the grace that is on them. And if we dishonor them, we're cutting ourselves off from that blessing. If somebody annoys you, that just means you need them in your life more than anybody else. I'm serious. That is a, that is a good marker for you in community. If someone rubs you the wrong way, then you need them in their life. They will refine who you are. The refining understanding that we're, we are a, a living stones in God's temple being fitly framed together. Guess what? When those stones need to be fitted together tight, they got to be chiseled and sandpapered. And that's what fellowship is. Amen. And if we have an idea that fellowship, love, and all that stuff comes without sacrifice or pain, then it's just an idea to us. Those are like one-liners with power pauses. You're supposed to say like, come on, somebody, in between them. Okay. I'm so thankful for, for our body. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that God is here. When we gather and he manifests his presence, I'm, let me tell you something. God doesn't manifest his presence in every gathering. He comes where he's desired. He comes where we are in harmony, where we agree, where our hearts are for him. And let me tell you something. God is here. Let me hear an amen to that. So let me get to the message because I just did like a long 10-minute intro for whatever reason. But I just want you to get something in your heart that we, we have to guard our hearts from discontent. Guard our hearts from dishonor that will cut us off from the grace that's on somebody's life. I honor our leaders. I honor our team. I honor Pastor Chris, my wife. And, and there is so much the Lord is going to continue to unfold to us as a body. And learning honor is a huge part of it. Amen. So we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit. And this, the name of the series is Holy Ghost. Maybe we get that picture up there with a the question mark. Um, a lot of us have been taught, you know, Holy Ghost, depending on what church culture you've come from. If it's Pentecostal, then if you know him as the Holy Ghost. And our definition of ghost is probably, you know, growing up and seeing cartoons, Casper the Friendly Ghost. And how many watch Casper the Friendly Ghost? And did you like Casper? He's pretty cool, huh? Well, that is not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not a spook. He is not weird or spooky. He is God. And we've been doing a series on this. We're going to be getting into the cultural aspect of how the Spirit of God operates with the nine spiritual gifts. Today, we're going to talk about the gifts. But let me just do a little bit of a recap um, of last week. Last week, I was sharing my heart with you about the Spirit's work in our hearts and in our midst that the Spirit of God comes and reveals plainly who Jesus is. Now, Jesus is the exact express image of the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, then look at Jesus. You cannot read an Old Testament verse 
You can't read Job and come up with some idea who you think God is, that he allows this and allows that. And we have all these, these ways of saying things and these metaphors. And, and, but we have to understand that everything we read, I can't just read Leviticus and some law that's already been fulfilled if I don't read it through the lens of the person of Jesus. Our theology must never be divorced from an intimate knowledge of who Christ Jesus is. Who is the image of God? This is so important. Because when I I read John 14, when Jesus, let's just do a little recap here. Jesus is talking and he's introducing them saying, I'm going to send you a gift. I'm going to send you the promise of my father. I'm going to send you Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you in truth. He's going to help you. You read John 14, 15, 16, and 17, and you'll read all these words. If your Bible has it, it's all going to be mostly in red. And Jesus is just pouring his heart out to the disciples. And John is recording this account where he begins to share them, uh, share with them heavenly things. And then Thomas, how many love Thomas? Come on, doubting Thomas. You love him? It's because you're just like him. You want to see it. You want to touch it. You want to know it's real. You want it explained to you. Thomas is like, show us the way, Lord. And, and he's, he's logical, you know. He's analytical. He wants it on a spreadsheet. Like, Jesus, show me how this all works on a spreadsheet. Can you get an Excel spreadsheet and just break it down and print it out for me? John 14. And then Philip speaks up. And Philip means lover of horses. And Philip is the creative one. I love horses and I love animals. And show us the Father, Lord. And so you have this logical question and then you have this creative question. And Jesus says, Philip, you're looking at the Father. Philip, I've been with you so long. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then I want to just read a couple verses to you as we continue to lay a foundation of the Spirit's work in our hearts that in John chapter 14, verses 25 through 27, I'm going to read it in the message translation. He says, I'm telling you these things while I'm with you, but the friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. Isn't that good? Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit will not complicate things or confuse you. He makes Jesus plain to you. The Holy Spirit will show you exactly who he is. Jesus is God. Jesus is God is love. Jesus is the representation of the Father. You know what the Holy Spirit comes to do? To reveal who Jesus is. And Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. Now, if you read John 14, he starts talking about these things like, Jesus is like, I'm in my Father and my Father's in me and you're going to be in me and the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. And it's like this language... It's like, well, I don't, I'm confused. Like you're in the father and and father's in you and I'm going to be in you and and the Holy Spirit's with me, but soon he's going to be in me. And it's like, it's a bit confusing, but here is the reality of it. The Holy Spirit ushers you in to this. He, he weaves you in to this relationship of the Godhead. Like God says, you're welcome at my table. God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus came to do is just bring us into that reality that we are in Christ and he is in us and the spirit of God will continue to reveal the heart of the father to us and the reality that we are family now. Now, before we get into the gifts, I want to lay a foundation because when we talk about spiritual gifts, um, sometimes we'll, we'll just mention like, you know, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. How many are familiar with those? The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charismatic gifts. Um, or we'll talk about the gifts mentioned in Romans 12, the, mer- the motivational gifts, we call them. But I want to break it down to you and show you, as we uh, started this series off and we talked about how there is a triune aspect to 
even what happens to us at salvation, that we are indwelt by the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says the Holy Spirit actually baptizes you in the body of Christ. So listen, hear me, say this. Say, when Christ is in me, I am in Christ. Now that happened when you became a believer, when you surrendered, when you, when you received Him, when you received His love, when you were awakened to the reality of, of your, the forgiveness of your sins. Then you're baptized in water, and then comes the empowerment of the Holy Spirit where Jesus then comes and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. So it's important we understand the difference. And then we looked at um, a couple verses. I know I'm recapping a couple weeks, but it's really important. I want to lay this foundation because you're going to see this unfold even more. That the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, many times we try to separate from the Trinity. Or we try to separate, or we don't even really, I mean, the way that we talk about the Holy Spirit, like Pentecostal song, send it on down. Send it on down. Come on, you know it. Lord, let the Holy Ghost. Nobody knows that song here? There we go. Send it on down. You really, See, our language, even our language, puts the Holy Spirit in some, like he's an object, but he's a person. How many know he is God? And sometimes when we talk about the gifts, we try to separate him from the giver. We come up with clever cliches like, well, I want to seek the giver, not just the gifts. Praise God. I'm so spiritual. Because I don't want God for his gifts. I want God because he's the giver. But really, it comes with the package. And I want to show you that the gift and the giver are together. You cannot claim to say, I love the Holy Spirit, but I'm not into speaking in tongues. I'm not into that. He wants you to have all of his gifts. The Father wants to give you every good gift. I want to read a couple verses to you. Are you ready? That's the foundation. And we're going to go for it now. Boy, you ready? I don't know what I just said, but it sounded cool. So let's turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, I'm going to read from verse 9. Open your phones, I mean your Bibles, and let's read together. Luke chapter 11, verse 9, you can catch up. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for some eggs and ham with some hash browns on the side, I'm sorry, I'm hungry. That's not what the Bible says in verse 12. If he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being imperfect, know how to give good gifts to your children, say good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit, to those who ask him. Now, in Matthew seven eleven, we see the parallel in the Gospels to Jesus saying this about asking and receiving. And he says the same thing, except in Matthew seven eleven, he doesn't mention the Holy Spirit. He just says good gifts. But it's interesting to me that Luke and Matthew both are saying the same thing. In one reference, it's two good gifts. In one, the Holy Spirit. And in Luke 11, it's actually both. What am I saying? I'm saying we cannot separate the giver from the gifts. I don't tell my wife I love her, but I don't like her face. Because she has a beautiful face, of course, right? It's lovely. But you can't say that you love God, but you don't love his gifts. We cannot separate the gift from the giver. Okay, so Luke chapter 11. Now let's turn over to James chapter 1. Would you turn there to James 1 real quick? Are you with me this morning? 
James chapter 1. Let me just lay this foundation, then we're going to get right up in and in, in, into it now. James chapter 1. If I, if I ever feel like you guys are looking at me crazy, I just look at my wife and she smiles and it makes everything okay. So you can look at me however you want. You know, like Jeremiah the prophet, God says, don't be intimidated by their faces. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I'll just look at my wife and... That's what happens. Oh, and try it again. Look at me. <laughs> she loves me. When I do the flower petal thing, it's like she loves me. She loves me. She loves me. With Rochelle, that's just the way it is because she loves me. I'm thankful for my wife. Give me a break. She's amazing. She's sexy too. Oh, is there children in here? My son's in here. It's okay. I can say that I'm married. Is my face red right now? No, it's not. It's... <laughs> She's anointed too. James chapter 1. Okay, now James is talking about temptation. And there's a confusion. And he's addressing the church saying, listen, when you're tempted, it's not God. And, and he doesn't even mention the devil in this context either. But he says, it's you. And then he says something very powerful in verse 17 of James 1. Listen, every good and every perfect gift is from above. Isn't that powerful? Like everything that's beautiful comes from Him. Everything that's beautiful, is, it stems from the beauty of His holiness. See, His holy, holiness is not just like this awestruck, we're all going to die if we look at His face. Like the angels cover their faces. The holiness of God is this pureness and this reality of God is so He's so amazing and so beautiful. And, and James is saying, listen, that's not God. When something happens where you're tempted, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Now I want to read it to you in the message. I'm going to read verse, from verse 23. Because of a loveless world... No, that's the wrong scripture. My bad. Here it is. Verse thir- Verse 13. So don't let anyone under pressure given to this, given to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts in no one's, puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to the evil comes from us and only us. I love he doesn't even reference the enemy right there. Because of our warfare worldviews and our mentality and, you know, the devil made me do it, that old thing. It's like we've, we ha- sometimes we've ingrained that into our thinking. And here's what happens. And let me just touch on this for a minute. This is so powerful. This will liberate you. Are you ready? If we think that way, we are in essence allowing ourselves to remain a victim and remain powerless and blame somebody else, including the devil. Well, there's just so much temptation. I just, I, I just couldn't. I just gave in. No, if you are a believer at the core of your being, you're a new creation. And the fruit of the spirit is self-control, which means you're powerful, not powerless. I'm powerful. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm made in the image of God. I can rise up and make good choices because sin doesn't have dominion over me anymore. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. See, so many times, this is the revelation of covenant in the Old Testament with Abraham. The nomadic wanderers of that day were victims to every angry God. Anytime there was a famine, anytime there was a storm, something bad happened. Christians still do it today. Well, God is in control. And they quote St. Augustine that had a Neoplatonic view of God that it was God that was causing all these tragedies to happen. 
Let me explain to you now, that's not the truth. God is in charge, but he doesn't exhaustively control everything. Some things happen because of free will. So let me explain something to you. If we think the devil made us do it and we want to blame everyone else, we're choosing to remain the victim, which means we're choosing to blame everyone else and remain powerless instead of rise up and make good choices in life. Empowered by God. Like your will is not bad. I can rise up and I can make a decision. You know what? I'm going this direction because God has given me self-control. I'm not powerless. I'm powerless without him, but without him. That's why our Accelerate Recovery... Give up so you can rise up. Because when you learn that surrender is not an act, it's the ceasing of an act. And as we lay down, we, we die, right? He resurrects us in power and we walk in newness of life. We're not saying, I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim to some angry gods or some cosmos war that's going on and we just want to blame everything on warfare and we want to blame this and blame the politicians and like, well, the reason I can't get a job, listen, We can rise up in life and we are a people of God that should walk in the blessing of the covenant of Abraham. I'm glad someone on the front row agrees with me. We are a blessed, favored people of God. We are not victims. Come on. Amen. That's just a little nugget. It has nothing to do with the message. So he says here, it's us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Desire And lust gets pregnant and has a baby and it brings forth sin. Sin grows up into adulthood and becomes a real killer. Don't you love Eugene Peterson? Now James continues to write here in the message. uh, It says, verse 16, So, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There's nothing deceitful in God. Nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Everyone said, amen. Now, I'm reading this to you because I want you to get that when we talked about how we complicate things last week and how Holy Spirit comes and make makes Jesus plain to us. Let me just let me just brand you with this reality. I want to turn to two scriptures and then we're going to unveil what's on the board here. I want to take you to uh let's since we're close, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Memorize these verses, okay? These these verses I'm about ready to read to you are so important because we have to understand that if we want to see who God is, we look at Jesus. We have to read the scripture through the lens of of our Christology. We we cannot form a theology without Christology. Hello? Your theology is your concept and understanding of who God is. We cannot just read a few verses in the Old Testament and form an idea of what we think God is, that God's angry or whatever. The Old Testament is the shadow. Christ is the substance, according to the book of Colossians. Jesus is... Your theology must never be divorced from an intimate knowledge of the Son of God, an intimate knowledge of who Jesus is. Now, this is what Hebrews says. Holy Spirit comes and makes Jesus known to us. It's who God is. In Hebrews 1, verse 3, who, talking about Christ, being the brightness of his glory and the express image. Will you say that with me? Express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, 
and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The word expressed image in the original means exact representation. Jesus said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now quickly go over to Colossians. Colossians 1. So Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3. And then Colossians. These are very important verses. Colossians 1 verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If we want to know who God is, we look at Jesus. And the Spirit makes Him plain to us. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus more real to us. The Holy Spirit reveals His heart, reveals who He, who he is, what He thinks about us. And, and that, that person of who Christ is, God incarnate, is revealed to us. The reality that we are welcomed into this family. And, and in this family, let me, let me share something with you. In this family that you're a part of now, God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, He's got a bunch of gifts for you. And He wants you to receive every one of them, not just the ones you want. Paul said, desire spiritual gifts. He wanted, he wanted the church of Corinth to become familiar with all the weapons of warfare. That's why he tells them in 2 Corinthians 10 that we pull down strongholds of the mind. Our weapons in God are not carnal, but mighty in God. The weapons of our warfare. So the Father has all these gifts. Jesus has all these gifts. The Holy Spirit has all these gifts. Now, when we talk about the gifts... Many times we talk about the gifts, but we, we forget that they come with the person, right? So now, but in the Bible, there isn't just, there isn't just gifts that, uh, that we see in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. There's actually gifts from God the Father, from, from God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about all the gifts. So let's unveil, Vanna, would you help me out? I mean, Rochelle, would you help me out? We're not on Wheel of Fortune. And let's pull this down without smearing it. I'll pull this side. Oh, it's such a beautiful cover. It's just so lovely. It's red and it's got designs on it. And the blood of Jesus is so wonderful. And praise God. Now, I need, I need you to get that ready because we're going to write up here. Now, look, Romans chapter 12. We have these. These are very familiar gifts to us, right? How many have ever taken a spiritual gift test? It's most likely these what are called the motivational gifts. Now, maybe you've never seen it broken down this way, but we have... These are all gifts. We have seven in Romans 12. We have five gifts in Ephesians 4. We have nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Who loves gifts? Who loves Christmas? Come on, presents! Okay. Romans chapter 12 are gifts from God the Father. Would you write up there? God the Father. Prophetic, serving, teacher, encouragement, giving, administration. Mercy. Thank you, Josiah. Some people are born with these attributes in their life. If you have this gift from God the Father that you're prophetic, it doesn't mean you're a prophet. It means that you're just cut and dry. You like to speak truth. You like to just call things the way they are. Some like to mask their prophetic gift for being rude, but that's another story. Or use it as an excuse to be rude. Serving. Somebody that just loves to serve. It's a gift from God. It's an expression of who God is. Um, you know, being a teacher doesn't necessarily mean you're a teacher in the, in the church, but you're a teacher. You love teaching people. You might teach in the school. You might mentor people. 
Um, encouragement. How many know somebody that's just an encourager? Everything they say is encouraging to you. Do you know anyone like that? Do you know anyone that it's just the exact opposite? Okay, stop being friends with them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bring them to church. Giving. Some people have the spirit of giving on them. Generosity. I mean, like where they just, my dad has this. There are people in this church that have, they just love giving. And God blesses them financially with above and beyond. And guess what they do? They're blessed to be a blessing. That is the, co- the Abraham covenant. Like we are, we, are bl- we are to be a blessing to every nation in the earth. Come on. Uh, administration. Somebody that loves to oversee and, and put things on a spreadsheet and, and administrate and lead and govern and, and see a form behind the function of something. That is a gift from God. Mercy. Some people are motivated by mercy. They just are very merciful. Like They're like a, um, what is that dog that just loves, loves, and lo- I mean, most dogs. Golden Retriever is one of them. I had a, a Cocker Spaniel. Is that what they're called? You could drop a rock on this dog's head. He would still lick you and love you. I, we never did it. Don't look at me like that. I would never do that to a doggy. Well, maybe once, but this dog just loved unconditionally. Some people are like that. They just have mercy no matter what. Now, these are gifts from God the Father. These are wired into the person. You're created. You're born with them. You're literally born with these gifts. Okay, now let's look at Ephesians 4. Are you all with me? Give me five more minutes. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Jesus, these are known as the ascension gifts or Christ's ministry gifts, and I know not everyone can see this, so I'm sorry. These are gifts from Jesus, who is King and Lord. Jesus ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and then he gave gifts to men. And guess what? These gifts, the word gift is doma in the Greek. Say doma. Now, these are the person themselves. This is an office or a ministry. This is a function that God anoints somebody and wires it into who they are. So they themselves become the gift. Now, it's interesting because God is the father of creation and that people are just born with these things. Jesus is the one who became flesh. And so his gifts are flesh. His gifts are people. See, you can't separate the gift from the giver. Come on, somebody. Are you feeling me this morning? So we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. By the way, there are 22 apostles in the Bible. In the New Testament, not 12. And one of them was a woman. And if you don't think apostles and prophets are for today, you have to read the next verse in Ephesians 4, verse 13. It says, Till we all come to the unity of faith. We haven't come to the unity of faith yet. The perfect measure, the stature of Christ. These are all a part of of Jesus' gifts to the church and their people and their leadership. And they they have headship. Jesus is the head of the church. But then he says, there's headship. And guess what? It's not a corporation. It's a family. That's the wineskin of church government right there. Ephesians 4. These are Christ's gifts to the church. Guess what? I am God's gift to you. You have to love me now. From now on, from this point forward, thou must love me according to thy verse. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. The Doma gifts, the ministry gifts. Same Lord, different ministries. Same God, different activities. Now we have the Holy Spirit gifts. And would you write Holy Spirit up there? Thank you. Thank you, Vanna. I mean, Rochelle, you're so lovely. How many think my wife's lovely? She shakes her head every time. She's like, okay, okay, it's enough. Seriously, stop. Now it's flattery. Now it's just flattery. Now, Holy Spirit gifts... 
The word gift in 1 Corinthians 12 is charisma. And these are divine enablements coming from the word grace and empowerment where the Holy Spirit comes, the person of who God is, the Spirit comes and He breathes an enablement on somebody. And, and they sometimes they're resonant, sometimes they're transient. I think that in the Scripture they're both. We're going to look into that later. Sometimes they're resonant in someone, like someone just has the gift of prophecy. It is on them. But guess what? All can prophesy. And so we're going to look at those levels uh, as we get further in the gifts of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, these, this is charisma. This is a divine enablement. This is the Spirit of God giving a manifestation of the nature of God through these things. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, miracles, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, we're not going to break down all these gifts, but I want to share something with you that in this we have God, okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, giving all these gifts. Now, have you ever noticed that there are some people or communities or churches that got these down really good, but these right here have nothing to do with their culture? And that's okay. Like, we love them, right? We're, we're part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. We're, we're part of the, uh, the body of Christ worldwide. Two billion people, by the way, the largest entity on the planet. Come on, give God a shout right there. We're taking over. You ever been to a community where these, they got real well? Church government, the apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor and teacher, like Pentecostal stuff, you know what I'm saying? And like, oh, we got to have the five-fold ministry, the hand of God, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, which, by the way, let me help you memorize this. You ready? Raise up your hand real quick. Raise it up. All right, high five. Just kidding. Apostle, wiggle your thumb. That's the stronghold of the body. That's the one that connects to all of the other ones. In, in God's hand of government, Jesus' gifts to the church. The prophet is the pointer finger. Now point, point your finger at your neighbor. That's prophetic. But it's not rebuke. It's encouragement and comfort according to the scriptures. Prophetic. Prophesy. Okay? The middle finger is the evangelist. The furthest reach. Now point your middle finger. No, don't point your middle finger at your neighbor. I'm sorry. Pastor is the ring finger married to the church. Do you know there's a vein that is in your ring finger that's not in your others that actually connects to your heart, your corazón? Isn't that beautiful? Teacher, the pinky, that's the one that fits in your ear the easiest, unless you got really big ears. The teacher. This is Jesus' gifts to the church when he ascended into heaven, sat down. And these gifts help exemplify the dominion of God. These are Jesus' gifts to the church for the church to become a dwelling place for God and the Spirit, and everything else come out of that. The apostle loves the bride. The apostle is a father. Uh, the prophet helps steer the ship. The evangelists are people within the community that love to win the lost. They go out, and that's who they are. They think they have the most important ministry, but it's just one part of the body. As a matter of fact, every person that's anointed for something thinks their ministry is the most important. That's because that's what God has given them. Amen. Pastors, shepherd people. How you doing? Let me pray for you. Man, are you okay? You've been on my heart. That's a pastor. Pastor isn't just one guy that preaches. Teachers are somebody that loves to break down truths in the Scripture and revelation within the Scripture. These are God's gifts. These are Christ's gifts. So we see this triune, this beautiful picture. Now, how many have ever been to, to a church where these gifts right here are really strong? Hello? Are you thinking this church right now? Okay, I think we got a pretty good blend of them. But 
Some are like, they don't really have too much structure or they don't really, church government authority is not really there. And it's just like, it's just like that. Or maybe they don't really have community and it's just all this stuff. So, I mean, they're swinging from the chandeliers. If they have chandeliers in their church services, I don't know. They're running around the room and they're just like floating and they're all led by the spirit and praise God. And, you know, like we all just love the gifts and they speak in tongues all the time. And, and, uh, you know, that's just one aspect of God's nature. But when we come to God, when we are in Christ, the Spirit's work in us is to involve us in all of this activity and to give us all these gifts. I like to look at these like in, in music, that these would be like the low frequencies of music. These would be the mids and this would be the highs. If I just have the lows, you can't really clearly define what's happening. Just the lows. If we put on a CD and turn all the mids and the highs down, it would be hard to distinguish. If we just had the mids, it would kind of hurt our ears. Like, ah, it's kind of not very pleasant. If we just had the highs, it, it would also hurt our ears to where there isn't much substance to it. Like we need community. We need people in our lives. We need the Father's gifts. We need administration. We need encouragement. We need uh, mercy gifts. We need to feed the poor. We need to clothe the naked. We need these things. We need uh, people that love to give. We need teachers, not just teachers in the Scripture, but teachers like we need somebody to disciple someone how to balance their checkbook. And then we need teachers here to break down truths and revelation in the Scripture. And there's no rules. They all work together. So we have low, mid, and high. But this is like an orchestra and every part of the orchestra is important. And when they all agree and they're all a part of the local church, it's beautiful. And there's a beautiful sound that comes out. But here's the catch. And this is what I'm closing with. You have to receive all these gifts. And the Father's the most giving person in the world. How many love Christmas? How many love parents? Do you love giving to your kids? My wife loves giving to my kids. Pray for us. Pray for my pocketbook. She wants this. Oh, the girls need a vanity. Oh my gosh, look at this. It's on sale for $250. Look at the mirror. Oh my God. Hannah would love. Oh, Sarah, just this is they want a chandelier in the room, by the way. They don't want a ceiling fan. They want a chandelier. She wants to buy them everything, right? That's her heart for her kids. How much more the father's heart for you? He He has all these, these are all gifts for you. They're all gifts for you. And and sometimes we, sometimes we, like Christmas comes and and God's just looking and he's just waiting for for us to open up that gift, to unwrap that gift with anticipation because there's so much joy. How many remember the joy of giving a gift to someone? I remember at a young age giving a gift to my parents and my grandfather and, and, and I'm just, I couldn't wait till they opened. I wanted them to be blessed. I want them to know that I love them. And God has all these gifts for us and he's waiting for you to unwrap them. But sometimes we... We, because it's wrapped in a person or because we're afraid of tongues or the supernatural because, you know, it's like, I don't want structure. Well, they're all from God. And they all go together. And sometimes we, we don't unwrap them and they sit under the tree and then they collect dust and it's January and it's February and it's still sitting under the tree and the tree's already put away, but there's still this gift laying there. Years go by and we don't unwrap these beautiful gifts that are all important for our lives. I want you to watch this video real quick to help exemplify what I'm trying to share. Dear. 
my spazzy boy, who has received the gift of music. <laughs> Flip it open, all the way open. Flip it. Ready, go. Okay, go. somebody how many are grateful for all the gifts that God has for us I want to close with one verse first Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 6 says this there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit diversities of gifts but it's all the same spirit there are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. The ministry gifts. Same Lord. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but all is the same God who works all in all. The activities of the Father's gifts to us. Let's not leave out any important element to this orchestra called the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps make it simple. The Holy Spirit will help us understand we need all of it. Amen. Are, are you offended at the Holy Spirit? Well, now's the time to just say, I want everything he has. Are you offended at people that Jesus gave to you? Guess what? It comes in an imperfect package. It teaches us to love. It teaches us to become like him because that's the goal, to become like Jesus, Ephesians 4. And so maybe... You don't like these gifts because church leadership hurt you. Well, now's a good time to say, I, I release that. And I understand that they're your gifts, Jesus, to me. I'm going to unwrap them. I'm not going to leave them under the tree. Maybe you're afraid of some of the practical things in life, like discipleship and administration. You're afraid of an Excel spreadsheet. Listen, form is important for our lives. Maybe, maybe these gifts serving and these simple things that we've rejected even our own lives. Now's the time to embrace them and let them come forth. Amen. I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you right now. And then we're going to dismiss you. I bless your people, Papa. I love them. I see greatness in them. I see a mature bride. I see a body that's being raised up into an army. 
with a complete wineskin, with a wineskin that is not old, but a wineskin that is expandable so this wineskin can receive all the new wine that you have for us. Every good and perfect gift that comes down from you. The good gifts, the Holy Spirit, they all come from who you are. We don't reject the gifts and receive the giver. It's not possible. We receive who you are and we receive every good gift you have for us, God. If you're offended at the Holy Spirit, just tell him, say, I'm sorry I've quenched you and resisted and grieved you. Just get your heart right. Open your heart to what he has. He's waiting for you to unwrap that gift. Your spiritual language, prophecy, healing, faith. We're going to define a lot of these in further series, but I want you to just, if you've, if you've had bitterness in your heart towards church leadership, say, Jesus, I, forgive me for rejecting your gifts. I need to get right. God, I receive all your gifts that you have right now. I want to be mature. I want to be a part of the symphony of the body of Christ. I know that these gifts are some of these, many of these are active in my life, and I want them to come forth in a greater way. Father, I bless your people, and I declare maturity. I declare responsibility. I declare the culture of heaven to be manifested through them so that as we are your dwelling place, that the fragrance of Christ just goes forth in our city to every nation, to every community. God, we want you in your presence, and we want Holy Spirit for you to unveil Jesus to us simply and plainly so we can represent him well in the earth. Pray this with me. Say, Father, thank you for all your gifts. Jesus, I thank you for all your gifts. Holy Spirit, I thank you for all your gifts. I receive them all with joy, with with thanks in Jesus' name. Now seal it with praise right now, would you? Come on.